We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. kind of mythical powers does a sun devil have? we got to consider that. It's embarrassing, but we are who we are. We're not a very good team, but we're 3-1 and one somehow. And we got all the voters fooled, thinking we're pretty good. Jaworski Lane at 275 pounds showed a heck of a lot of athletic ability. Welcome to a Monday recap edition of the Roadwire College Football Podcast. The Jeff Smoker of College Football Podcast. Uh, that, that one was off the top, John. I did not write a player down. Jeff Smoker was just on my mind, as he typically is, I would imagine, sure. for most uh, Big Ten alums. Um, we got a lot to get to this week, I tell you what. And, and speaking of Jeff Smoker, uh, John, I think we can dive right into Ohio State, Michigan State off the bat here. My goodness. Uh, I was looking forward to this one. We called it easily the best game on the slate. I, I don't think that was wrong. I, I think we had a reason to believe that. But uh, about three minutes into this game, it was very clear that things were going extremely south uh, for Michigan State on the road at Ohio State, 56-7. to seven. Uh, Honestly, kind of a, a merciful final score based on what it could have been. Right. I mean, 49 of those points for Ohio State scored in the first half. Like, like you said, it was just scorched earth pretty much right from the jump. And, and we talked about uh, during the week last week just how this was – on paper, kind of a nightmarish matchup for, for Michigan State in that they're, they're coming into this game on the road with, you know, what what was, by the numbers, the worst pass defense in college football. And that's not what you want to be bringing to a, a matchup against a, a team like Ohio State, where Stroud's playing really well. You got Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, um, just kind of like the forgotten star of that group, which is crazy to say, and Jackson Smith and Jigba. So, I mean, they just put that thing out of out of hand, out of question so quickly that, um, you know, it, it was just a quick death for, for Michigan State. There was nothing they could really do. Kenneth Walker got a little bit dinged up during it. So um, not only was it a, a tough one on, on the scoreboard if you're a Michigan State fan, but um, you also have like your, your star player get banged up. It, it was pretty much a worst case scenario for Sparty. Chris Olave by himself almost outperformed the entire Michigan State passing game right seven for 140 uh, Alave Wilson Smith and Jigba combined for 24 catches 371 yards and five touchdowns and, and a lot of that like you said almost all of it in fact came in the first half I think Stroud was like 29 of 31 with six touchdowns at the half 
it does seem like Ohio State has one of these games every year, but man, I, I mean, I I didn't think Michigan State was going to win this game. We, we kind of knew there was something in the water with how big the spread was, uh, despite this being a, a matchup of top seven teams. But man, I, I thought the Spartans would put up more of a fight than this. This was, it was, it was, if you didn't watch the game, it was as bad, if not worse than the box score indicates. Yeah, because one thing that, that Michigan State couldn't avoid, or, uh, had to avoid was either like getting a slow start or, or starting to press if if Ohio State did did get out to that hot start. So obviously the hot start for Ohio State not ideal, but it felt like Michigan State knew that like the the weight of the world was on them from the jump, like from that first drive or two is like oh boy, like that they they kind of had that 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 tight play style where it's like if we don't score on on this drive, we're we might be sunk. And it just kind of that kind of nervous energy just sort of permeated through the whole team. I felt like they, they, they just kind of crumbled after after the first punch from from Ohio State. And, you know, again, it, it was it was just a total bloodbath out there. It was about as bad as it possibly could have been if you're a Michigan State fan. But I guess to, to offer some just general perspective, this has been a very good season for Michigan State, all, all things considered. They, they seem to have found their, their coach of the future and, and Mel Tucker, um, you know, obviously talking about that big extension, a, a lot of jokes were being made during the game on Saturday, but I think that uh, coming into this season, I, I felt like Michigan state was, you know, maybe the fifth best team in the, in the East and with the possibility of being the fourth, but um, that they, they're, you know, they got a chance to finish it strong against Penn state. But I mean, at the same time, even though they had the, the marquee win over Michigan, it's going to be hard for them to forget about this one. Yeah, this is the kind of loss that it feels like stains your entire season, right? Where no, yeah. no matter what happens, it's like when it really mattered most and you had a chance to prove you belonged, you were not even remotely in the same class as a truly elite team like Ohio State. Uh, also in the early window, we had Georgia rolling over Charleston Southern. Not much to see there, 56-7. <laughs> to seven. Um, I actually no, didn't, maybe I there didn't was see some, a second of that there? game. I didn't did? see a single second of it because I believe it was on uh, like the triple paywall of ESPN package, like the yeah. – ESPN plus plus plus, uh, I think is what you had, and you had to like get get like a what's it like a a VIN or uh, oh VPN VPN yeah you need a VPN uh, yes. to, to to access it type yeah. of type of thing um that scan your retina that type of yeah. thing so I did not have those capabilities at, at hand so I saw zero uh, of George's game yeah. other than what was getting tweeted out such as uh, Jordan Davis running in a touchdown that the the shameless push push for the Heisman continues. Yeah. I think to access a game like that, you have to prove that like your wife has left you because you've watched too many sports. Like you have, you have to submit documentation and then they, they give you access to the vault that can change Georgia <laughs> and Charleston Southern. Uh, I, I had to get in there to, to watch some Wisconsin basketball uh, over these last couple of weeks. I'll tell you that they've been, uh, they've been relegated to channels that I did not even know existed. Um, but we saw Clemson roll over Wake Forest. Uh, finally, the, the reemergence of the Clemson offense, putting up 48 points, in this one, although still a relatively underwhelming day for DJU, who not that long ago we were talking about as a potential Heisman finalist, and that that is, you know, that ship has sailed so far uh, from that. But a nice day on the ground for Clemson. They rack up over 300 yards of rushing on that Wake Forest defense, and you know, still a nice season for Wake. Uh, a lot of pluses, but finally seems like they're starting to to regress closer to where we thought they'd be. Yeah, they, they've kind of run out of steam. Um, that I think the offense is was always going to be good, and and it felt like the defense. I mean, the the offense played a little bit above its head. I feel like at certain times, 
Um, but but the defense uh, was always going to be something that um, was going to rear its ugly head at some point, obviously giving up a ton of points to North Carolina in that first loss and then just kind of getting pummeled on the ground against Clemson. And Clemson it has, you know, for for the amount of fair critiques you can make about DJU and, and the way this season has gone, they have been really banged up for a lot of the season. I mean, they, they had to roll um, pretty a pretty unproven st- uh, starting three wide receivers on, on Saturday, Dakari Collins, Bo Collins, and uh, Will Swinney. And then uh, Will Shipley hasn't been healthy for a lot of the season. They've obviously had a ton of, of just backfield attrition overall. But you get a glimpse now of what Shipley might look like in the future. And, you know, he was kind of comped to Christian McCaffrey a little bit coming out of high school. So a uh, big game from him, I think, portends well for, for you know, where he'll be uh, in, in season-long drafts and what, what we can expect from him. Uh, as a sophomore next year, I, th- I think the Clemson can still end this year strong, and then you know probably probably bounce back to being a, a you know a top five type of team next year. That this this year probably will just go down as one of the bigger anomalies we've seen, but but not certainly not like the start of the demise of Clemson or anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think the reports of Clemson's demise may have been a bit premature uh, midway through this I, season. I did, I, think I did briefly enjoy them though. Oh yeah, oh it was it was, it was fantastic. I mean, I, I think this. Uh, I think a lot, there were a lot of people, uh, publicly or not, who wanted to see Dabo, I think, be knocked out of pick. You know, I'm, I'm not saying they wanted him to lose his job and Clemson to just fall back to being a, an afterthought in the ACC. But, you know, nice to take a year off every now and then. Yeah, I, I, I've certainly uh, enjoyed it um, at, for, from where I'm sitting. But, um, yeah, I, I don't think that they're going anywhere. But uh, mm-hmm. see, seeing them squirm a little bit, it, you know, especially when, when a lot of the arguments over, over the years have, have just been, or I think the genesis of a lot of, the, the Clemson disrespect or disdain is is like, well, they have a buy into the playoffs every year because they play in the ACC. And it's like, well, they lose to Pitt. They lose to NC State. You know, it's uh, kind of a yeah, it, get, it goes uh, south in a, in a hurry. Their, their offense is completely stuck in, in neutral, that type of thing. But uh, either way. Uh, they'll finish out strong. Oh, South Carolina's playing pretty well, so I'm, I'm low-key more interested in that game than I ever thought I would be um, coming into this season. That That's a rivalry that's been – one of them is scorching hot and the other one is a bottom feeder, it feels like, for the last decade or so. Mm-hmm. South Carolina, early part of the decade, and, of course, Clemson the last seven, eight years. Yeah, shout-out to the Brinkley Twins, of course, anytime South Carolina is brought up. Um, in, in the Big Ten, we saw Iowa uh, – survive a pretty spirited effort from Illinois, which has been at times looked like one of the worst teams in the country at other times looked very competitive. Of course, they banked that win over Minnesota a couple weeks ago, but Iowa wins that one 33, 23. We saw Notre Dame roll over Georgia tech. That was 55 to zero as Notre Dame keeps some outside hope of somehow slithering its way into the playoff <laughs> uh, somewhat alive, at least uh, Alabama 42, 45 over Arkansas, Michigan rolled over Maryland, uh, we'll save Wisconsin-Nebraska for the end. That was 35-28 in favor of the Badgers. But uh, of, of some of those afternoon games I, I just ran through, where do you want to go next? Um, I, th- I think probably start with, with Bama-Arkansas. Um, okay. You know, that that was a game with, that had a very similar spread to, to the Ohio State-Michigan State game. And unlike Michigan State going in as those heavy road dogs, uh, Arkansas took the punches and kept – responding i mean they, they gave up some some tough touchdowns to you know jameson williams just kind of running through their entire secondary on his way to the house that type of stuff um i was surprised because we we did talk about 
this game on Thursday and how I thought that Bama's script would be a, a pretty similar to what we saw against Ole Miss. But no, it, we, they really did show a ton of trust in, in Bryce Young, and he obviously delivered. But th- this was a close game, and you know Bama keeps playing the, these games that are a little bit closer than maybe they should be. Whether it was that LSU game a couple weeks back, um, obviously that that Florida game looks even more perplexing. Uh, the further away that we get from that one, uh, shout out Dan Mullen. But um, yeah, I I don't know what to think of, of Alabama. I, I think that basically that they don't have that Bama edge where they, they have an offense that's basically as good, good as anybody's else, but their offensive line isn't nearly what it normally is. It's not that, that dominant um, type of uh, unit that, that, um, is keeping the quarterback upright and allows those plays to extend and un- unfold. Um, we're, we're seeing a lot of pressure get put on Bryce Young, uh, not even in, on blitzes, that type of stuff. They're not running the ball great, and the defense just obviously isn't isn't all that either. If they're giving up 35 par- points to Arkansas, um, Arkansas has a good offense, but you wouldn't expect them necessarily to, to hang 35 in Tuscaloosa. So Bama keeps winning and everything, but I, I don't think that they are a flawless team. I think that there there are some some weak links to to this Bama squad that we aren't really accustomed to seeing. If only there was another loaded team in the SEC just poised to finally knock them off. You know, it's, it's hmm. a real shame. It's a real shame. Uh, watching that Alabama game, I, I saw most of the second half. They remind me of Oklahoma this season. Like that, I feel like I'm watching like 2016 through 2020. Oklahoma with this team where like the defense, like you said, is just not as dominant as we've become accustomed to the offensive line, not as dominant as we've been accustomed to. Although they did run the ball pretty well in this game. We saw Robinson get to 122 yards, but needed 27 carries to get there. They had no big plays on the ground whatsoever. Um, they were just getting by with these, these really big plays through the air. And Jamison Williams had a couple of them. I think it was his first touchdown of the day uh, where, where Bryce Young threw a ball like 45 yards in the air. And at mm-hmm. the time that he released it, Williams was like not even remotely open. And that that was that was the throw of the year for me. I think it, you, you probably saw it. If you watch any highlights from Saturday, you know the throw I'm talking about where, oh, yeah. you know, the ball's kind of right at reaching its apex. And Williams just turns on the Jets and runs past two defenders and it drops just perfectly uh, in the breadbasket. That was that was an unbelievable toss for Bryce Young. Yeah, Bryce Young is silly. Uh, so now now we're kind of, uh, th- this is a good probably point to, to mention, just kind of like, I know, and I still think we we are fully in our rights to bag on this Heisman race, but it felt like Saturday was the big separator. I think it's clearly the Stroud and Young are, are going to mm-hmm. be duking it out over the over this next week or so um, to 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 get there. And I, I think that it's Stroud at, at this stage, but he's the um, heavy favorite right now. If you're yeah. looking at updated odds, um, you know these these came on Sunday morning. He's listed at minus two twenty. And Bryce Young is at plus 175 in the book I'm looking at. I, I mean, I don't even know why you bother bringing any other finalists at this point. I don't think there's anyone else who can can really work their way into it, having a legitimate case. And I know some years they bring like three guys. Sometimes they brought five or six. Um, you could probably get away with just bringing those two to New York. Uh, I, I would like a token Jordan Davis uh, one, especially if, if the yeah. race is this sort of decided. I mean, if Julius Peppers can get there or uh, I'm uh, – <laughs> Matai Teo got there. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, well, we'll uh, Georgia deserves some representation. I, I think so, man. I, I think he's been the, the most uh, impactful player uh, that yeah. they've had this season. So uh, th- it'd be nice to see. I, I'm, I'm of course, kind of tongue-in-cheek about it. But right. um, 
it, we, we've seen other years where, where people go absolutely ballistic for, you know, name a defensive player on, on right. Bama or something. This guy needs to yeah. be in, in, in New York. So why not? Right. It would actually be pretty funny if they sent Stetson Bennett and then when they showed the voting results, it, he had like zero first place votes, zero second place votes, zero third place votes. And it was just, was just there as, as a representation for how good George has been. <laughs> yeah, a little proxy, a little stand-in. <laughs> Shut out of the vote. <laughs> I don't know. I, can see that. I think Desmond Ritter, I feel like Ritter's going to be there as just like, especially if Cincinnati does win out. I think he, I think he's there as just like we needed someone else, and you know you have no chance, but you know people know who you are, and, and we can't just have two guys showing up. Yeah, it, it, yeah, that that's that's certainly possible, especially if they finish the the drill undefeated. Uh, and I, I meant Jabril Peppers, not Julius Peppers. Yeah. So that um, my mistake there. Um, you know, hand off. I, I knew what you if, meant. I knew what you meant. I, honestly, well, I, I wouldn't be shocked if Julius Peppers was there too. I thought maybe you knew something I didn't know. Uh, he would. He probably deserved it. I mean, he that guy was insane but i don't know i flew this morning so i'm at my brain's all foggy <laughs> um speaking of dark horse heisman candidates braylon allen 22 carries 228 yards three more touchdowns in wisconsin's 35 28 win over nebraska uh, of course we won't dwell on this one too much not a ton of national implications here uh but the wisconsin offense starting to look much more like a traditional wisconsin offense built around a dominant running back i think graham mertz has had his two best games of the year back to back um, and when you look at the you look at the final box score here, he's 12 of 18 for 145 and a touchdown. Not exactly lighting it up, but if nothing else, that speaks to just how bad he was through those first five or six weeks of the year. He's at least reached the point now where he's completing like the basic eight yard out or you know hitting a guy in the hands on a slant. Which for a Wisconsin quarterback, that's really all you can ask for. Yeah, no, I mean that it's it's marked improvement over over where it was. I mean we I think we were rightfully questioning whether Mertz was the guy earlier this season when, when the struggles hit uh, in late September or really, I guess fr from the jump, honestly, yeah, but they, they um, hit right yeah, hard. Yeah. Wisconsin is rolling right now. Um, I think that the, obviously the, the three losses is going to, to kind of sandbag that their overall ceiling, but I don't know if there's more than five or six teams that are actually playing better football than Wisconsin right now. Um, SP plus loves the Badgers right now and, and what they've been doing. So, uh, I want to, uh, in a truth serum situation, Nick, say Ohio State wins the, this weekend and, and Wisconsin wins as well, and they, and they meet in the Big Ten Championship yet again. Do you think that Wisconsin might have like the, that type of team that, that just kind of uglies it up for Ohio State and you, you give the Badgers a shot in that one? No, not okay, at all. Fair. Zero percent. All right. Not, not a chance in the world. No. Okay. All right. Nope. Just I, w I wanted to, to toss that out there in, in out of respect for how well Wisconsin's been playing. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, I just don't want there to be any confusion. This team is still not good. Uh, they're nowhere near as good as Ohio State. And more than anything, I don't want to even entertain the thought of Wisconsin potentially pulling that upset and, and kind of get myself in that mood that it could actually happen. So, you know, we're on to Minnesota. We got to focus on the week ahead. Just get there, you know, at least salvage like kind of a fun season. Uh, but if we lose to Minnesota, it's off the table. So you know, yeah. you got to focus on what's in front of you. That's true. Yeah, that you need the the axe needs to be in Madison. Like there, there's mm -hmm. really no ifs, ands, or buts about that. Right. Cincinnati forty-eight, SMU fourteen. You know, I mean, it's hard to to look at this as like a, a fantastic win for Cincinnati. Uh, but SMU eight and two coming into this game. Um, you know, one of the more formidable opponents that they're going to face in that conference schedule. Uh, Desmond Ritter, another nice game in his final home game for Cincinnati, 17 completions, three touchdowns, 
uh, almost 275 yards. Uh, any any takeaways here? Uh, I think if anything else, it was just nice to see Cincinnati, you know, finally roll a team after three or four close ones. Right, and and I for my money, I thought SMU was pretty clearly the second best team in the American coming into this one. Um, and, and I thought that the uh, the offense specifically for SMU would give you know at least a little bit of trouble to Cincinnati. Um, the 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 most interesting matchup to me coming into this one, one that, that could have swayed this one one way or the other, was Cincinnati's passing defense against SMU's passing offense because SMU obviously with Tanner Mordecai back there, you know, challenging for forty touchdowns coming into this one, to hold him to. 66 passing yards on 26 pass attempts is unbelievable. That is a crazy performance from from Sauce Gardner and the guys uh, for Cincinnati. So so that's a legit defense right there. Like that's a defense that that can keep a lid um, on or at least compete with a lot of these offenses that that you know theoretically they they will be. Um, obviously, you you would defer to to a Bama or an Ohio State against them in, in a given matchup, but. There, there are no pushovers. I, I don't think that there are a lot of teams out there that, that can um, hold SMU to 66 yards through the air. That that was a, a shocking result. And then Jerome Ford came back. He didn't look great necessarily, just 4.1 yards per carry. But, uh, you know, found the end zone once again. Uh, he's going to be key to their chances uh, moving forward here. So they got another game coming up, I believe, against East Carolina this weekend. They should be able to take care of business pretty easily there. And then, you know, Finish it, finish it out. AAC championship game. Houston's respectable. They they're getting the the rankings respect from from the committee and everything. So, um, you know, things are setting up pretty decently now for Cincinnati, especially since here's a segue. Oregon, Woo. transition of the year from John McKechnie. Look at that. Eight seven, a resounding loss for the Oregon Ducks. Uh, officially out of contention um, after sitting in in the proverbial catbird speed speed seat uh, heading into. <laughs> This week, I got so excited to say Catford seat. I couldn't even pronounce it. Um, it's pretty exciting. Yeah, a, a, a pretty massive blown opportunity here for Oregon, uh, not only to lose this game on the road, but to lose it like they did uh, to a team wearing really weird gray uniforms. Wasn't a big fan of those. The helmets, I'm told. They look like, like airplanes. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I don't know. They look like people to me. I I, I didn't really get the airplane vibe. I, I don't I don't like what a team, like there's no gray in their uniform, you know? And obviously Oregon's been guilty of, of fudging the rules on uniforms as much as anyone. So I don't, I don't want to uh, think I'm giving them a pass, but I, I, I don't know where that came from. I, I didn't love it, but either way it, it got Utah the win 38, seven. Um, so the, the number one team, I, I think in the way of Cincinnati now topples. The question to me is Oklahoma state, you know, shuts out Texas tech 23, zero in Lubbock. If Oklahoma state beats Oklahoma and then wins the big 10, big 12 title game does one loss Oklahoma state now essentially replace that spot that Oregon was kind of the placeholder for, um, and potentially jump Cincinnati, which at this point really kind of controls its own destiny in some way, but at the same time, it, it also doesn't because it, it's not going to have another opportunity at a signature win uh, like a team like Oklahoma State will. Right, yeah, and Oklahoma State, I'm sure, is is happy that OU found found a way to to scratch out a victory against Iowa State. That one got got pretty close, pretty hairy there uh, towards the end. But yeah, Oklahoma State, as far as their their resume is concerned, it's strong. I mean, uh, not only do you, do you beat Boise State in your first like real game of the season, but you beat Kansas State, you beat Texas, you beat Baylor, uh, you know, and you, you do a lot of these wins in, in pretty dominating fashion. I mean, a lot of times holding teams to, to under 10 points and certainly um, 
fewer than 20 a lot of the time. So Oklahoma State is impressive. I, I feel like that's been the team that that had the strongest resume that, that wasn't getting a lot of respect, um, at least through these first couple rounds of, of playoff rankings. But I think the committee now has has to um, acknowledge them. So I think that they might actually be the most interesting team uh, when the new set of rankings is released on Tuesday. I'm really, really interested to see uh, where they end up checking in. Like, what would they be ahead of Michigan right now? Like, I, I kind of doubt it, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. And yeah, that, that's, that's kind of it. So we've got what, what I, again, I imagine that, that Ohio State will, will take Michigan out of the running this weekend. So I, I think that the spots, uh, three through five are, are going to be fascinating to to see how they unfold, whether it is Oklahoma State, Cincinnati, Notre Dame, I think with the way that, that they've been playing of late, um, not that Georgia Tech is, is a good team, but they did exactly what you should do to a bad team uh, on Saturday. Um, so between those three, uh, I, I, I have a hard time kind of differentiating between the three. And I, I'm very interested to see what, what the committee does now that now that one of those proverbial dominoes in front of uh, Cincinnati is now out. Right. I mean, Oklahoma sitting at 10 and one still somewhat in this thing, right? I mean, if, if they were to beat Oklahoma state and then win the big 12 title game, that could potentially still be on the table at Notre Dame, not out of it. If Cincinnati were to trip up, I think they would essentially need that domino to fall. My one lingering question, I guess, about Cincinnati is, is there a scenario in which Michigan pulls the upset against Ohio State they're they're currently eight point dogs heading into that game on Saturday you know let's say Michigan wins it on a last second field goal is there any world in which Michigan then gets in you know goes to the big big 10 title game uh, presumably wins that and then two loss Ohio State would jump an undefeated Cincinnati is that in the realm of possibility Ooh, so so it it would be a non-Alabama two loss team I mean I I, I already think non-conference champion yeah, right. I mean, we, we've seen non-con champs um, uh, make the playoff before. I mean, Alabama did it uh, the year that they uh, beat Georgia and everything. So, I mean, it's not unheard of, but we haven't seen it with with a two-loss team yet. So, yeah, we're, we're kind of entering new ground here um, right. in, in what what's going to be one of the last uh, four-team playoffs that, that we'll see before the expansion. So, I, I feel like... I feel like they probably would actually. And and then that, that kind of uh, reifies it in my head that a two loss Bama probably gets in over Cincinnati too. That, that I hate saying that out loud, but in my heart of hearts, I think that that like the committee, I think that they, they want to be fair, but they also want at the end of the day to set up the two most competitive matchups and the most competitive four teams. And I, I think it's probably, realistic to say even if Ohio State were, were to lose a second game that they are one of the four best teams in college football and, and likely the same can be said of Alabama unfortunately so resume should matter and everything but I, I think there is like a an element of just like a common sense that that needs to come in here where it's like Ohio State would be favored by probably three touchdowns against Cincinnati on a neutral yeah. field you know all right let's finish this thing out uh, a little DFS recap from this past weekend. I know you have the winning lineup handy. How, how did you do? Who went off? Who, who disappointed? Yeah, so I, I did I did pretty well. Um, it was a really, really high bar to clear this week. Like it, we, we talked about it. It was a 14 game main slate with a lot of really crazy totals. 
Um, and, and it was really interesting because uh, I forget if, if I had figured this out uh, before or after we, we recorded on Thursday, but Boston College's quarterback, Phil Dracovich, was min price for a quarterback. So that made him 51% rostered in um, in this big uh, tournament over on DraftKings. So it, it was like the perfect test of, of whether that fading him was going to work or not, because I mean, that it's literally about as even of a split as, as you're possibly going to get. Djokovic ended up doing fine, especially for 4,500, gave you a ton of flexibility to do a lot of stuff with the rest of your lineup. I think you, you absolutely had to have CJ Stroud on, on Saturday or, or you were behind the field. I think you, you also, because it was possible and because it clicked so well, um, you needed to have both Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. Um, if you had Smith and Jigba, he didn't do quite as well as those guys, and he cost you probably about $1,000 uh, more against your salary cap. So the key was then going and getting Jordan Addison, um, who was the other guy over 7K, uh, who really, really impressed on Saturday, obviously fr from Pitt. But the the guy that, that really changed the slate was Milton Wright, and that, that I believe was, was the key to, to this winning lineup. He had the right pairing of going AOC, our guy, 31 DraftKings points, 423 passing yards, three touchdowns, all of them going to Milton Wright, who was just 3.6% rostered in Saturday's uh, tournament, just 3,900. So he was obviously someone that, that by the end of it with 50.3 DraftKings points, unbelievable performance from him. So him, Addison, Olave, and Wilson were, were really the keys there. So it was a, it was a good day to hunt value at running back and to go um, heavy at receiver. And then you, you find the one value receiver, obviously, and right. And that, that crushes to kind of an untold degree. I mean, going like almost 20 X value or, or almost uh, or over 10 X value for sure. That's pretty unbelievable returns. And then uh, Letty Brown, who we talked about, he was, he was kind of chalky 40% owned, um, but he, he went for 28.2 DraftKings points. So, so he did, extremely well in his own right um i got let down by by my guy dylan goffney as i mentioned with, with smu having a total of 66 yards through the air that's not going to get it done for for my guy goffney so he was blanked uh that, that kind of sunk things because everyone else was, was uh fire emojis um on my lineups i, I had kyron kyron williams in in my best lineup chris olave cj stroud of course is he um abanaconda for, from pitt didn't do quite as well. I, th I think he might have gotten dinged up or something. He he only ended up with, with um, 19 uh, rushing yards. So I forget if he if he was a little bit dinged in the second half there for for Pitt and what was a really really fun game with with them and Virginia. But yeah, it was another really fun week and, and a really high scoring. Like there was a very high bar to clear um, if you were going to end up uh, cashing consistently um, on, on Saturday. And, and as I mentioned earlier. Uh, Will Shipley did great, and, and Bo Collins also did did great for, from uh, the Clemson side of things. All right, that was a great recap, dude. Uh, week 13, now ahead of us, uh, big games all around. I will obviously have my eye on Wisconsin-Minnesota, a game that I have traditionally enjoyed, but this week, this year I'm kind of dreading um, just the, the possibility of an upset. I, I just hate P.J. Flex so much. Um, it, it would really mean a lot to get that win, but – Man, uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, that's the night game on Saturday. That's going to be a great one. Uh, we get Alabama-Auburn in the Iron Bowl. We get Penn State, Michigan State, which, like you said at the top, you know, maybe not as fun as it seemed like it might be, but still a really good game. Uh, and for some reason, yet again, I, I know this is usually the case, but Ohio State, Michigan, 
11 a.m. kickoff Central Time. At least for you, that's noon uh, in the Eastern Time Zone. But I tell you what, that that's a little early. I'm going to say it. That's a little early for me. Yeah, it it is, especially when it it's disorienting when it's a game of of that type of stakes and it's the first game of the day on Saturday. But I don't remember the last time it was any time other than that time slot. I don't know if that's like a traditional thing that the schools have agreed upon one way or the other, but it, it feels like that, that game, it would be cool to, to see that game get, get like the, the nighttime prime time slot as opposed to, mm-hmm. to noon, but the, the getting it started um, between those two is, is also fun in, in its own right. You just, you need a good, spine uh, of games the rest of the day to, to carry you through you you know because you, you are kind of not getting the best game of the day out of the way right off the top absolutely all right man enjoy it enjoy the thanksgiving holiday i know you're traveling already i'll be doing some traveling later this week but uh full week ahead and looking forward to breaking it all down